Well, welcome, welcome, welcome. Glad to be here with you all today. And uh, it's, it's, just, it's just awesome to be able to gather. Uh, thank you, technology. Thank you, team that creates uh, or uses this technology to just uh, incredible ways. We're so glad that you're able to, to come together with us right now. And uh, it's good to be in church. It's good to be together uh, in church, even though we can't be physically together. Uh, one of the great things that, that the reality is, while we can't be physically together, we've been able to uh, grow as an online community. And, and some of you watching right now are likely from far beyond Courtney or Port Alberni, which is where we have our two physical uh, campuses. And maybe you're, maybe you're beyond in Canada or the States or, or anywhere else, and we're just glad to have you uh, be part of this community with us, uh, just, just looking towards Jesus. If you've never heard it before, Northgate is all about Jesus, and, and we're, we're a group of people who just kind of gather together, we, we, we meet together when we can, we, we encourage each other, one, one another when we can. One way or another, though, we're a bunch of people who, who uh, would fall short of the glory of God, who are definitely not God ourselves, who definitely wouldn't call themselves perfect, uh, but we serve the perfect Jesus, and we believe that he uh, just wants to touch every single one of our lives, and he's going to do that in your house today. Uh, I just believe that. So thanks for joining us, and thanks for being with us today. My name's Evan. Uh, I'm the lead pastor of this church. And uh, we've been walking through a series, through our Broken Road series. We're, we're in our sixth session of that uh, today. And uh, through this series, we've been talking about this idea that sometimes on a broken road, we get the sense that if we're on a broken road, we must be in the wrong spot. If there's hurt or there's brokenness or struggle or challenge or whatever it is, sometimes we think we just need to, something, something's wrong in my life, something's not right in my life. And we've been exploring the idea that maybe when you're on a broken road, you're actually in the exact right spot. That God wants to do something in your life in the, in the hardest times often. That he wants to do something in your life in the most broken and challenging times in life. And so we've been looking uh, through a little bit of what do we do along that broken road. What do we discover about God uh, as we travel along. The first thing we said is we need to discover perseverance. Sometimes when we get on a broken road, the first thing we do is just try to get off. i got to find a, an easier route. I need to find an easier place to be. I need to get to the space that feels more comfortable and, and, and more relaxed. And, and uh, God often is wanting to create a perseverance in us. And if you heard us the first week, we said that that perseverance actually leads to a hope that we're meant to discover. Second week, we talked about Repentance. Sometimes we're on that broken road and discovering that God's way was actually a better way for us and we have put ourselves in a spot where we've pulled ourselves away from his path, away from his road, away from the journey he had for us and now we're actually in a spot that's really hard and challenging and overwhelming and he's calling us back. We talked about repentance. The next week we said that often on a broken road is where we finally discover real relationship. Often in our culture, in our world, especially in an online culture as, as we are becoming more so during this coronavirus, often at that time uh, we, we have these fake friendships, or maybe not fake, but at, at least not fully real, where we sort of present ourselves a certain way, but we have walls up. Often brokenness in our lives tears down the walls. So now the people that we're with, the people that want to be with us, the people that we want to walk with, we discover are actually uh, real people, and we're real with them. Brokenness often draws us into real relationship. Last week, 
Good Friday, we discovered that the broken road in faith often leads to, to one place, and it's a great place for our brokenness to take us to. It's to the cross of Jesus Christ. Thanks for so many of you joining us last week and being part of our Good Friday service where we discovered that our brokenness leads us to an empty space where, where, where actually all of our brokenness can be poured out, all of our sin, all of our pain, all of our everything can be poured out to Jesus Christ. He takes it on the cross. He dies with it. All of that dies with Him. And all of a sudden, everything that we had that would separate us from God is no longer there. We also discovered last weekend that that Jesus Christ didn't stay in the grave. Amen? He is risen. If you didn't know what I was just doing, you should have said, He is risen indeed. We did a lot of that last week. If you're new here this week, welcome. We're glad you're here, uh, and I won't do that again to you. But Jesus had risen from the grave, and He went back to His disciples. He went back to Peter. And and, and this, this incredible picture we got in Scripture last week of Jesus not just killing all of our brokenness on the cross, but actually rising up from death and coming back to us and saying, Hey, I'm still here. I still care for you. I still want to walk with you and he showed us that there's still a road in front of us and in fact a broken road in front of us see once you have relationship with Jesus it doesn't just mean automatically boom everything is good but often he wants to point us down a a, a road that maybe is just as broken as the one previous was but now we have him now we walk in his strength now we walk in his power so this week uh, I wanted to talk about how (laughs) How do we walk in that fullness of the Spirit? With Jesus Christ, knowing that we could empty ourselves at the cross, knowing that His resurrection power, the same power that raised Him from the dead, can live in us. How do we now walk that out? A few years ago, for a class I was taking, the class was on David. Uh, the book, I got to read a book called David and Goliath. And David and Goliath uh, was written by uh, Malcolm Gladwell. So a surprising book for me to read for a class about David because there's only a very small section of it that's actually on the biblical story of David and Goliath. But in the book, Malcolm Gladwell takes this different picture of, of David and Goliath. If you know the story, it's this giant against this boy. The giant has a big sword and, and spear and, 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 and armor and, and is from a, a group of giants, a whole nation of giants. And, and uh, David comes with a little sling and a stone and he, and he hits this giant in the head and the giant dies. We get this really amazing picture, but Malcolm Gladwell said, well, that's how that was always going to end. David was always going to win that battle. Goliath never stood a chance, and you read in and realize that, that, you know, if you were close to the same size as Goliath, your pride would probably puff up, and you'd think, okay, he wants to go at me with a sword. I'm going to go at him with a sword. Armor, armor, we're going to fight this out together. But David right away recognized his own weakness in the situation. He recognized he's a boy. He recognized the armor that he tried on doesn't even fit. He recognized that this is a giant that he's facing and his, and his weakness led him to a place where he, he uh, discovered a new strength. Where instead of, of bringing a sword to this sword fight, which he couldn't have carried, he brought a sling. He changed the whole game. He changed the whole battle and he won the battle. Later on in the book, it talks about this one doctor who has this terrible upbringing. 
And through this upbringing, he became a very hardened person, but continued to go through medical school and, and learn and grow, but was, a, was mean, was calloused, was not nice. And uh, down the road, there was this need for a discovery in the medical field. And, and that discovery needed to take some risky risks with people's lives and risks that may hurt people and, and could make people worse. And no doctors were really willing to do this. But this guy, who really didn't care about people, who was so hurt and callous that, that things weren't great for him, he didn't really care if someone got hurt. He went ahead and he went forward with all of these things. And all of a sudden, all of these discoveries that helped thousands of people later on were accomplished and discovered because of this guy. Malcolm Gladwell shows how sometimes the, the, the weaknesses in our lives or the ways that we feel like we're an underdog actually expose the strengths that we have. There's another story of this guy named Vivek Ranadive who started coaching his daughter's 12-year-old uh, uh, basketball team. And he's, he's from Mumbai and doesn't understand basketball. And, and for him, he's watching and all the teams are playing. And it seemed like everyone came back to half court and then started defending the other team. So for him, he doesn't understand that. Why does everyone do that? I'm not going to do that. And so his girls were the shortest. They weren't skilled. They weren't very good at basketball. So he got them running hard and got them doing the full court press. Everyone is allowed to do the full court press. But no one needed to. Everyone sort of just went with the usual flow of the game, jumping back to half court and playing. Well, this team started winning over and over and over and over. I like what uh, his daughter says in the book. It says, what that defense did for us is that we could hide our weaknesses. See, I recognized their weakness and in it discovered their strength. I think there's something really good about that for learning how to live the spirit-filled life that when we have discovered our weakness is when we discover the strength of Jesus Christ and of his spirit. It's when we went to the cross and knew death that we could, we could experience life. It's when our sin could be killed that we could know the joy and the fullness of resurrection life in us. And our faith is true that as we want to continue to walk out a, a life of faith and hope and joy and, and, and uh, excitement and anticipation with Jesus Christ, we get to know his strength and his fullness when we know our weakness and our emptiness. When we know the weakness in ourselves, we can know the strength in our God. Philippians 4.13 says this well. It says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I find people live in, in uh, one of two worlds around this scripture. I can do all things. Some people just stop reading right there. Actually, most people just stop reading right there. I can do all things. And you'll hear people preach on this, this scripture or share about this scripture and say, I can do anything I want. I can accomplish anything. Isn't that great? The Bible tells me I can do whatever I want and I can be the best and I can be the coolest and I can be the smartest and I can be the whatever it is. I can do all things. And so they stop reading. The part that says, through him who gives me strength. The other person reads this and says, I, I, they read, I can do all things. They say, oh, Paul's so lucky. He could do all things. I can't do all things. I don't think I can really do anything. I can barely accomplish anything in my life. I don't, I don't really know if this is a good scripture for me. And they also miss the piece that says, through Christ who strengthens me. 
to often live in these worlds where we're, 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 we don't really know what God can accomplish. We don't know it usually because we, we, we just haven't allowed him. We either think, well, I can't accomplish much, so probably God can't accomplish much. And I don't have much, so probably God doesn't have much. And I can't do that, so God can't do that. Or we think, I can do everything, and so I don't need God to do anything. Both of these things limit the work of God in your life. If you want to see him on the broken road, if you want to see him as you walk along, if you want to experience his fullness and his goodness as you, as you move through life, it's going to be found because of your weakness is where you discover him. When we operate out of our insufficiency of our flesh, flesh, by the way, if you're not a Christian or don't go to church that much, like why did he just say flesh? Flesh just represents all things that are us and material. My possessions, my talents, my network, my influence, my leadership, whatever it is, those are the, the flesh. But when we operate out of the insufficiency of our flesh, we can unlock the all-sufficiency of His Spirit. 2 Corinthians 4, 6-10 says this, For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness. This is Paul Speaking, it says, For God, the one who made everything and said light can show up even when it was darkness before, he said, Let light shine out of darkness. He made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. That's a big moment that Paul says, hey, I, I need to tell you something. God who made all light has taken all of his power and might and energy and strength and life and goes, zoom, stuck it in your heart. That you are full of all the light that you're meant to carry to this world. You're full of all the glory and power and, and strength and resurrection that Jesus has. It's incredible. But then says, but Paul says this, but... We have this treasures in, treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Here's something I know about jars of clay, besides they're this cool Christian band. Maybe not that cool, I don't know. But jars of clay are fragile. Jars of clay themselves are not powerful. Jars of clay are only as valuable as what's inside of them. Jars of, uh, of clay uh, really don't offer us much. They, they break and you make a new one. You shuffle that aside, you build a new one. In fact, they have a chip in them. They, they spill stuff out. Uh, they, they can get spilled and, and dropped and all of that. And, and everything that is inside of them can fall out. And Paul says, this is who we are. This is who we are when it comes to that resurrection power that we talked about last week when we talk when it comes to that strength and that spirit that Paul shared with us uh, or that Jesus shared with us last week. We discover that Jesus says, I want to put all of this in you and we recognize that we are simply jars of clay. We spill. We leak. We crack. We break. It'd be easy for us to say, maybe I lost all my value. Maybe I, I, I was never meant to carry the Spirit of God. Maybe I was never meant to walk with His power. No, we, it's not that we weren't meant to walk with His power. It's that we were never meant to leave our weakness behind. 
Because our weakness draws us back to the well. And the more we come back to the well, which is Jesus Christ, the more we come back and receive His Spirit and His infilling, the more we recognize that it will never run dry. Jesus has something for you every single day of your life. His Holy Spirit wants to meet you freshly and new every day on your broken road. For the rest of your life, He wants to meet you every single day. But, but you've got to keep returning to the well. Thinking about this, thinking about water. And, and uh, if I was to tell you that I'm well hydrated, I don't think any one of you would be like, wow! Congratulations! You're such a great guy. How did you figure out how to be hydrated? Well, you must have a very efficient body that can, can hydrate itself. You would all know that I can't hydrate myself. You would all know that I need to drink water to hydrate myself. In the same way, if I were to say to you, I am very spiritual. You, this is why we get annoyed by people when they do this. Hello, I'm very spiritual. How about you? We get bothered by that because we know that it's not about being spiritual. It's about being spirit-filled. And just like I need to return to the water to be hydrated, I need to return to the the well, uh, the spiritual well. I need to return to God to receive His Spirit and be filled up. So my emptiness and my weakness actually moves me forward. My brokenness continues to cause me to need more. My jar of clay as I walk along and it spills and it leaks and it pours out and, and, and all, that, all the spirit is leaking out and I, I get in a, a, you know, I'm driving along the street and someone cuts me off or my kids get on my nerves or my finances get overwhelming or coronavirus is just going on too long or the uncertainty of my future feels like too much and I can feel the Spirit just pouring out of me. The great news is God didn't say, I've given you my Spirit and I want you to lock it down and it's all you get for the rest of your life. He says it's in jars of clay. It's going to spill everywhere and I hope it splashes on a few of your friends and I hope it lands on some of the people around you and I hope you recognize how empty you are becoming because when you recognize that, I am here and I want to fill you again. I want to meet you again. Just because we get thirsty doesn't mean we think the water failed us. We drink water, we sweat, (laughs) We preach and spit everywhere. We need to go back and get a drink. Same is true for your spirit. And so uh, I, I, I love that our emptiness reveals our need for God. You might be walking a broken road and you're feeling like this is just too hard and I'm broken and I'm empty and I, I, wish, I, I wish I was just always full. You will never be always full until you get to heaven. But here's the great news. Your emptiness speaks of a Savior that wants to meet you intimately and fill you up so that you can walk this life full. Remember, it's your emptiness that got you to the cross that all things could be washed away so that you could receive the life, be filled up, and walk again. Don't think that you get to live the rest of your life without getting back to that cross. You keep returning to that cross. You keep walking that broken road. You keep persevering. You keep discovering that He meets you there and let Him fill you up. It's okay for us to recognize our weakness. 
because it points to the strength of God. Recognize the insufficiency of our flesh because it points to the all-sufficiency of our Savior. I want to show you how three guys did this in the Bible. In just a few minutes, I want to share uh, some of how people led with their lack. They led with what they didn't have, and so it all, already spoke uh, about who God was. Genesis 41, 15 to 16, there's this guy named Joseph. It says, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one can interpret it. Now Joseph has just been brought out of prison to interpret a dream for Pharaoh. But I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. What an opportunity for Joseph. Imagine this moment. He's in front of Pharaoh of Egypt. Like This is the most important person in the world at that point. Here's Joseph in front of him, a recent convict, recently been brought out of prison. This is the greatest opportunity of his life. And Pharaoh says, I've heard about you. I heard you can interpret dreams. And here's uh, Joseph looking at him, and here's his response. I cannot do it. Uh, Joseph, come here, buddy. Uh, we're going to need to talk. <clears throat> this is the moment when you lie and say that you can <laughs> do it. Like, what are you thinking? This is Pharaoh. He says, I cannot do it. See, he leads with his lack. When we want to see God's greatest moves in our life, we need to be willing to lead with our lack. Often when we feel a lack in our life, we're just trying to fill that lack or, or, or else we're just trying to avoid any situation where that lack might be exposed. But here, Joseph shows up. Here he is with Pharaoh. He says, oh, the dream thing. Nope, can't. He says, I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. No, I can't. But God can. When was the last time you tried that in your life? Engaging a situation where you, where you knew that you didn't have what it took. Where you knew that your flesh, your talents, your money, your influence, your network, your whatever it is, didn't have what it took, and yet... You believed in a God that could do it. Daniel 2, 26 to 27. Another dream interpretation. There's this king that has said, uh, he's, he's tired of all of the, the, the people in his, the magicians and all the people in his uh, uh, world, in his empire, that can't tell him about this dream. So he said, kill them all. Kill all the people who think they're wise or enchanters or magicians or whatever. And Daniel kind of stands with that grouping and, and it says, the king asked Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Now Daniel's life is on the line. He's been told he'll be killed if he can't do this. Daniel replied, No wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. Again, Daniel, don't you know who's asking you? Like, you've done this before. Just say yes. Why are you making this hard? He's making this hard because he's leading with his lack, saying, My weakness in this situation is about to expose the strength of my God. That as I walk and my jar, uh, my fragile jar that's held, holding his spirit is spilling, as I'm recognizing my emptiness, I'm being reminded of the great infilling that God wants to do in my life for this situation. 
If I go in saying, well, I know a little bit, and let's see if God can offer a little bit, it's not going to happen. But if I go in and say, I cannot do it, it's opening me up to say, God has to show up or I'm dead. It says no one can do it, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Your dream and the visions that pass through your mind as you are lying in bed are these. And he goes on to tell him his dreams. There's one other story. This is after Jesus has died, risen from the dead, has gone back, seen his disciples, has empowered them, said, go and tell everyone about who I am. Go and tell everyone the things that I've taught you. In Acts 3, 1-8, it says, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. This is the same Peter we talked about on Good Friday and Easter. At three in the afternoon, now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Seems like a pretty common thing. Many of us have experienced a similar thing where where we're, we're heading on our way and someone asks for some help, someone asks for some money. And we all know what we do in that situation. You know how you'd respond. If you have money, maybe you give it, maybe you don't. If you don't have money, it's easier decision. No, I'm not going to give money. You just carry on because, well, you think that if, if that person is asking, they must know what they need in life. If that's what they need, I don't have it or I do have it. Simple decision. But here I love what Peter does. It says, when Peter, Peter looked straight at him, as did John, then Peter said, Look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Now I want you to think of that exact same situation if there was no fleshly lack. If they had everything, if they had money on them, if they had, I mean, they'd probably walk in and say, you know what, today's your lucky day. We don't only have some money, we've got, look at this, it's like many drachma, like it's it's lots of money for you. We have plenty actually. Here, I'm going to give you my life's savings, I'm going to give you, and the guy's like, yay, that's great, I love Peter, I love John. He might get a new sign on himself that says, I love Peter and John. And that's amazing. But what happens because they lead with their lack is they look and say, oh no, we don't have what he needs. What could we give him? Oh, how about actually what he needs? 
What if since we're lacking in the area here, maybe that would, would, would remind us of the great things that God wants to do here? What if our insufficiency in this can, can bring about God's sufficiency in this moment? What if our fleshly lack wants to, is going to lead us to God's spiritual plenty in this moment? They say, get up and walk. Some of you have, have despised your weakness in life. Whatever that might be. Maybe it's something big and significant. Maybe it's a health concern you're facing. Maybe the, the, the challenge in your life is, is a traumatic situation or a tragedy that you've had to face and that's the bumpy road that's caused the brokenness in your life. Maybe it's something that still feels really big to you, but, but, but uh, maybe isn't, uh, not everyone would understand the same way as you. Maybe it's just a, an inner thing. Maybe it's just something you're, you're trying to wrestle with in your own heart. Maybe it's a, a disappointment with a situation. Maybe it's a rejection somewhere along the way. Maybe it's a breakup that you've just experienced and you're, and you're trying to, maybe you didn't get into the college that you wanted to get into. Whatever it is that led to that broken space, sometimes we say, well, that weakness is, is tearing me down, is, is, is taking me down to a space that I don't want to be. That weakness, though, is often the very key that takes you to a place where you can see His strength. If you'll let it, that's where the Spirit-filled life takes place. Not when we are strong, but when we are weak. Not when we are all together, but when we're broken. Not when we're healed, but when we're sick. Jesus himself said, I did not come for the sick or for the healthy. I came for the sick. I didn't come for the rich. I came for the poor. Jesus wants to fill your life if you're empty. He doesn't just do it once. It's like, I don't need to just drink this water one time and I'll be well hydrated for the rest of my life because I'm so efficient. No, my body is no more efficient than my spirit. My spirit spills out spirit. My body uh, steams out water. And, and I'm going to need to go back to that well over and over and over if I want to live. The same is true for my spirit that this jar of clay that I am that's spilling and bumping and cracking and leaking and doing all of that is the very reminder of the great power of God in my life. I just want to encourage you not to despise your weakness, your brokenness. See, Peter was a real follower of Jesus. You know that. Told you last week that he ends up going to his death for Jesus. And yet, here he is without money. It turns into the greatest news for this person. Peter had money, this guy probably got a few bucks that day. Since Peter didn't have money, this person got the healing power of Jesus Christ pulsing through his veins as he danced into the temple on feet that didn't work one minute ago. Don't despise your lack, your weakness. Don't despise the fact that you're still on a broken road. You are a jar of clay you are not supposed to be impressive on your own. What's meant to be impressive is that you, who are going to spill all over the place, who are going to crack under pressure, who are going to lose all that God fills you with, the, the, the impressive part is that you get to go back, be refilled, 
and still walk in the same power of Jesus Christ in your life. So I want to give you a chance today. We want to pray. If today you say, I want that. I want to be a jar of clay. I want to be someone who's broken. I want to be someone who, who's willing to be broken because, because that's when I get filled up. I want to be a bit leaky because if I'm leaky, that means I need more of what he's got. I want to be okay with my brokenness. I want to be okay with my weakness. I want to be okay with my lack because when I recognize that, I can know his strength, his power, and his infilling. If today you want that, there's two things you've got to believe in. Your own insufficiency and his immense sufficiency. These will always be the key to discovering Christ in your life and him moving through you. So if today you say, I want to be a jar of clay, filled with the Spirit of God, returning over and over. If you're right now, wherever you're at, you can raise your hand. And if you, if you don't want to raise your hand where you're at, Put your hands out like this. If you don't want to do that, just allow yourself to consider your own heart. Receive the Spirit as a jar of clay right now. Lord, I just thank you for every person who's with us right now. God, you know the road that they're meant to walk. You know every moment that they're going to require the sufficiency of Christ, the sufficiency of your Spirit. And you've made it so that that's accessible to them, not just through uh, them trying hard or, or taking care of their weaknesses, but them continuing to allow those weaknesses uh, to, to be exposed so they can receive the fullness of Christ. Today I just pray that they would be filled with your Spirit. Live a Spirit-led, Spirit-filled walk on this broken road. That they wouldn't be surprised when they recognize that they are fragile. They wouldn't be surprised when they have hard weeks and feel overwhelmed. They wouldn't be surprised when they think the, the, the spiritual fervency is leaking from them. But God, instead, that they would just allow that to be the reminder to get back to the well. To take their brokenness back to the cross. To be filled up again. And to keep walking this journey by the power of your Spirit. Today, God, for those who don't know you, for those who don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior, the one who takes all sins and fills us with all life if we'll let him, God, would you allow people to see you anew? Help us to recognize you, to know you, to experience you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.